0: Forty years ago last Thursday, on May the 25th, 1977, Star Wars opened in cinemas. And whether you saw it on its initial release, or you came to the series later with The Phantom Menace, or even if you only joined the Rebel Alliance in the last two years, the intergalactic truth is that hindsight is a terrible thing. The more we have to look back on, the more remote and nebulous Origins can become.
1: I've been waiting for you, be wan We meet again at last. The circle is now complete. When I left you, I was but the learner. Now I am the master. Only a master of evil does.
0: For a long time, George Lucas was known as the creator of not only one of the biggest grossing franchises in film history, but also the visionary who delivered a sensibility that redirected an entire industry. But whereas in 1977, Lucas was regarded as the outsider who had stormed Hollywood with his story of youthful rebellion that cast the studios as the evil empire. Today his reputation is almost the opposite. The innovator who corporatized from idealistic Luke Skywalker into megalomaniacal Darth Vader. Vitrification set in as soon as The Phantom Menace was released, and by the time Lucas had finished with Attack of the Clones and Revenge of the Sith, audiences felt he had not only fouled his own legacy, he had ruined their childhood memories as well. Plus, they held him responsible for the glut of CGI effects-laden spectaculars, the rising swamp of superhero franchises, and the dumbing down of movies.
1: If you strike me down, I shall become more powerful than you can possibly imagine.
0: However, I have come not to bury George Lucas, but to praise him. A long time ago, in a classroom far, far away, a young novice was in training at the University of Southern California. He was not pursuing sci fi trilogies or mythological sagas, but instead was in thrall of the concepts of light, colour, movement, space, and time. Back then, his tutors, former Disney animator Lester Novus and Serbian filmmaker Slavko Vorkovic, were pointing him in the direction of contemporary avant garde films, made by the likes of Canadians Arthur Lipset and Jean Claude Labrec. Lipset and Labrec's short experimental films were so crammed with such free form expression that they positively electrified the young pupil's imagination. Click onto YouTube and look at LeBaric's 60 cycles and Lipset's 2187 and you will see what so inspired The Young Apprentice. Listening to that clip, you would never know that accompanying those sounds are images not of a factory production line, but instead a trapeze acrobat, an autopsy and a mime artist. What Lipset was doing was splitting the media so you see one thing and hear another, and so you have to engage with and then connect the images and sounds in ways you did not expect. Young George Lucas was so taken with Lipset's aesthetic that he later paid tribute to it in Star Wars. Princess Leia is held prisoner on the Death Star in cell number 2187. But back in his days at USC, Lucas was not yet thinking of space operas and instead was fascinated by the rudiments of film. Here he is in 2012 talking about the importance of understanding film grammar. When you take a five-year-old, they can speak, they can use words, they don't know how to write very well. And they may not know much grammar, but they know how to speak. They also know music. They may not know the grammar of music. They know cinema, because they spend a huge amount of time in front of the television. So they know visual communication. They know the moving image. They intuitively know a lot of the rules, but nobody's actually taught them anything. any more than they've taught them anything about, you know, grammar and English. So we go through school, and then later on we start to learn the grammar of English. You know, punctuation, capital letters you'll run on sentences, what a verb is, but nobody teaches anybody about what screen direction is, what perspective is, what color is, what a diagonal line means. One of Lucas's elective courses at USC was non-narrative elements of film form, in which students had to make short films in which there was no character, no plot, and no space-time linearity. In literary terms, Lucas was not constructing plots, but creating tone poems. Or, had he been in art school, his canvases would have been described as abstract expressionism. In other words, the students had to figure out how images and sounds could play with and against one another in order to create an emotional response. Could you synchronise and then pull apart the dissonant sounds and disparate images in order to get the audience to feel something? Lucas proved to have more than an accurate for it. And quickly, his tone poem began to win prizes right across America and throughout Europe, earning him a reputation amongst young filmmakers on both sides of the Atlantic as a veritable wizard. Sitting alongside Lucas in class at USC was future Oscar-winning editor and sound designer, Walter Murch.
1: I love echo, any kind of reverberation or atmosphere around a voice or a sound effect, which tells you something about the space that you're in, because you start with what's called a dry sound. It's a sound recorded in a studio. And then you can create a echo around this sound and it can make you think that this voice is in a a bathroom or um, in a cave. While Merch was fascinated by
0: sound, Lucas was off taking apart cameras and editing benches just so he could know exactly how they were put together. So he could better pull apart and reunite sounds and images, a static image and an alternating sound a moving image, and a static sound. Lucas's early films, many of which you can see on YouTube, illustrate his then preferred way of composing a shot. He cradles the camera low on his hip, securing not only a steady frame, but also a strongly structured image. With a slightly lower perspective, a greater emphasis is found in the horizontal line, which immediately offsets the vertical axis. And when the camera is at head height, Lucas often prefers a very long lens that so flattens out the perspective, reading the space isn't always easy. Now, in the hands of an ordinary student, what you see would dictate what you hear. But Lucas, inspired by Lipset's short film 2187, was very interested in splitting the media, so you see one thing and hear something else entirely. And it is the aggregate of the two that provides a new meaning for both. As Lucas famously said, sound is half the picture. Here is Merch again.
1: THX is an underground world. This, this environment that THX lives in is an underground civilization. So the sound that you would expect not to hear in this kind of environment is thunder, which is uh, an organic sound from the surface of the earth. Uh, yet there are two places in the film that I used um, thunder. One of them is here in the prison. It was one of those things that I put in as a whim. In addition to the the room tone that I had, I wanted occasionally there to be little outbreaks of something in the background.
0: Lucas graduated from USC in 1967 and his final year film, Electronic Labyrinth THX 1138 4EB, won him the National Student Film Festival Award in Houston, Texas. The award made it clear to everyone around him that he had completely mastered the medium its science, its aesthetics, and its theory. By 1969, Lucas had gravitated to San Francisco, where Francis Ford Coppola had recently established American Zoetrope, a company conceived of being an antidote to the mechanical, impersonal Hollywood behemoths. Zoetrope would not just make movies, it would make personal stories, art. It is hard to underestimate the importance of that particular time and space in cinema history. Because Sowetshoep served as a magnet to the most visionary, energetic, inventive, and ambitious group of filmmakers America had ever seen. Here is Martin Scorsese recalling those halcyon days. Some of the most wonderful memories were, was about going up to Francis Coppola's house and being with his family, cooking. Uh, food, uh, helping him cook, making gnocchi at night, him, and him spouting out all these uh, ideas and also uh, also, uh, making sure that you kids have to understand one thing, you and George, you can't mess around with genre, you have to follow, so no, no, we want to change it, you're not, it has to remain This same, he was quite right in a certain way. It was like master classes being up there, listening to him also wheel and deal, you know. Work with studio executives. I, I feel like I'm on the verge of saying, "Fellas, all jump in the lake." I'm going to make the movie now, unless you can get the police to come and stop me from shooting. Because I don't need Warner Bros. I mean, Warner Bros. can can walk out on the deal, and I've got the money to make the film. Coppola and Trope signed a multi-picture deal with Warner Brothers, and the very first film they made was Lucas's THX 1138.
1: What's wrong? Nothing. Nothing really. I just feel that like I need something strong. If you have a problem, don't hesitate to ask for assistance. Yes, thank you. I'll be all right. Call three four eight.
0: What's wrong? Never mind. Never, mind.
1: Never, mind. Never, never, never 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 mind. Never mind. Never mind. Never mind. Never mind. Never mind.
0: It is set in the future, the year, yes, 2187. And like many visions of the future, it is of a dystopian society run by a faceless, nameless order that seeks nothing, nor creates nothing, other than its own power. The population are not so much citizens as they are numbered entities whose entire existence is to serve the power. All people, adults, children, male and female, are known only by numbers. But somewhere in the tyranny, a man chooses to rebel. How does he do so? By not taking the medication that he is assigned, medication used to control the numbers. With their shaved heads, the population immediately recalled the workers toiling away underground in Fritz Lang's silent masterpiece, Metropolis. And with the impersonal, supposedly calming, but ultimately sinister voice,
1: My time is yours, Go ahead.
0: You were at once put in mind of,
1: Dave. This conversation can serve no purpose anymore. Goodbye.
0: 2001 was still in theatres as Lucas and Murch were writing their screenplay. But where Kubrick took his music from the classical LPs that lined his shelves, Lucas commissioned a suitably futuristic score from Lalo Schifrin. In CinemaScope by Albert Kane and David Myers, the widescreen images are framed in such a way that even when two people are in conversation, great fields of white space appear to isolate them from one another.
1: I wouldn't turn you in, not now. You don't. I know I wouldn't. You can do it without it, Christine. You can't, I know you can. Then what? It can't go on forever, you know it can't. We could leave and live in the superstructure. You only have one more shift left, don't you? We could be gone before the next series started.
0: For all its exciting experimentation, the sustained problem with THX 1138 is that it is completely uninvolving. While you watch and listen, you don't ever feel anything. The ideas pique your curiosity, but the drama doesn't stir your heart. Somehow, in transferring the lessons of his tutors, former Disney animator Lester Novas and Serbian filmmaker Slavko Vorkovic, and closely studying the works of Arthur Lipset and Jean-Claude Labrec Lucas had, somewhere along the way, failed to transform the ideas into feelings. And in a way, it would almost take another three decades before another sci-fi picture would deliver such an innovative landscape and soundscape.
1: As you no doubt have guessed, I am Morpheus.
0: Regrettably, but understandably, THX 1138 flopped at the box office. In fact, it flopped before that. Coppola screened the film to the Warner Brothers executives in Los Angeles to proudly unveil what he announced as the example of American Soitrope's vision. The studio heads hated it. It's not so much that they did not understand it. These were smart people. One of them was none other than executive John Kelly, who would shepherd through for Warner Brothers' release, Such classics as The Wild Bunch, McCabe and Mrs. Miller, Clute, A Clockwork Orange, Deliverance, Mean Streets, Badlands, Blazing Saddles, Barry Lyndon, Dog Day Afternoon, All the President's Men, and The Shining. But for THX 1138, no one at Warner Brothers saw it as the next 2001. So they dumped it into theatres, and then, not only did they cancel the remainder of the production contract that they had with Coppola and American Soetrope, they turned around... And demanded their money back but all is not lost because sometimes just sometimes that which does not kill you makes you stronger and from the fiery furnace of failure a supercharged life force emerges <laughs>